Have you ever been stopped? I have not been stopped. I have not been stopped, but... I can't wait for the day you come by me. Oh, he's not going <laughs> It's Kenny Williams. I teach interdiction mastermind with Street Cop. I'm here with the narc. And we're going to have some conversations about uh, his aspect on the interdiction world and what they do in preparation to beat us. My brother, Kenny. <laughs> What's, What's the good word? No, nah, man. Ready to hear the, the inside scoop on your preparation to beat us on the highway. Yeah, man. I mean, what's crazy is that uh, criminals and defendants, they get our they get our playbook every single day. Um, I mean, for the last decades upon decades with, with discovery, they get our playbook, uh, the tactics that we use, um, you know, they read the affidavits. So, um, you know, I'm truly grateful to be able to essentially bring the criminals, uh, playbook to uh, law enforcement, having been able to essentially, uh, um, you know, get a peek behind the curtains on the way that they act, the way that they move, the way that they think when uh, they're not being arrested or looked at by law enforcement, when they believe that they're amongst one of their own um, to see their mentality. So again, I like to try and bring that mentality, that playbook to law enforcement. Um, and that's the whole point of my class. So you guys can see what it's like uh, behind closed doors. But any way that I can help the Red Ninja out. <laughs> well, I mean, in any aspect of it, like as much proactive police work as we do, we're still being reactive to what they do, no matter what. So, all right, we change our tactics, we change this or that. We catch them one time, they're changing their shit up, and then we have to adapt and react to what that, we can't be, I mean, we could be as much proactive as we want, but we're all basing it on what they're doing initially. So if the first time we catch, you know, someone that's involved in in major shit, they're going to change up their MO to avoid us, to go at different times, different ways of concealing it, all that shit. 100%. I mean, times have evolved. If you look at the way that the drug game was done, you know, 20 years ago compared to the way that it's done today, I mean, you're talking about uh, FaceTime calls. You're talking about dropping pins. You're talking about uh, no money for drugs, just drugs, and you're going to cash at me or Venmo me. I mean, it's a completely different game, and we just have to do our best to keep up with the times. You know, when you talk about training, it's a must because things are going to change. They're going to constantly change. Um, you know, the guy that graduated the academy 25 years ago and the guy that graduated the academy today, it's just it's a different world. Um, so 100%, it's, it's very different. And I think that's what's great about this company and Street Cop is most cops that are out there instructing for this company are actively in the field doing exactly what they're talking about. You don't have many retired guys that are out there teaching. If you, we, we do have a few retired guys, but they're not teaching about act, anything that's actively happening. A lot of those guys are talking about, you know, report writing that's going to be pretty consistent or case law that's going to be pretty consistent or they can keep up with. The guys that are actually teaching the application of proactive policing or anything like that are actually guys still working in the field, still seeing it on a daily basis. And then they're going out and giving it to everyone else as they're seeing it. Absolutely. I think the key word there is proactive. I mean, you're going to, I'm still involved in, in, in academies and, um, you know, you see the bare minimum, um, but you don't necessarily get the proactive side of it. And I think that's exactly what the company gives you. This company um, is the proactive side on, on things to look for and how to, um, you know, push cases forward or um, know the the current trends uh, and what's changing, you're not going to get that from the academy because, I mean, the curriculum, if you think about it, is the curriculum in academies changing, you know, based on each academy, each year, every five years? I, I know that the ones that I'm involved in aren't changing. Um, so it's, it's very important for these, these guys and gals that are graduating the academy to continue up with times in training. And I think you get it all from this, from this company. Yeah. You get every perspective you get from the foundation stuff of case law, knowing what you can and can't do all the way up to, you know, stuff like you where now you're working undercover. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think also the key word there is perspective and, you know, you see different perspectives from uh, different individuals. You have the addiction side of it. You have uh, 
you know, anything online. Um, you have the, the social media aspect, um, but you also have the perspective from uh, the criminals. And I think that's kind of what I bring to the table, that different, the different side of it. Um, a lot of you guys, if not most of, of street cops, um, when you're dealing with individuals, you're dealing, let's just say, for example, a, a drug seizure. At that point, you have, you have arrested that individual before or after they have done some kind of transaction, right? So you know what? You guys don't get to see um, the meat and potatoes in the middle, like the preparation that goes into it. Um, what does that transaction look like? Um, so again, I, I bring that different perspective where law enforcement isn't involved. What does it look like when they're preparing? What does it look like before they do the transaction? What does it look like when they do the transaction or after? Um, and then I think it gives you guys more of a, uh, a panoramic view on, on the criminal world um, and not just drugs, but just, you know, in, in total. No, I completely agree. I mean, we focus a lot on narcotics. I mean, that's what's fun for me, honestly. Yeah. But working interdiction, I come across criminals all across the board. Guys that are out there doing retail theft. Guys that are out there doing fraudulent cards and, and skimming and all this other nonsense. But it's always criminal. And they always have some type of preparation. And it's gonna, not always going to be the same. It would be similar. They're going to prepare in similar ways. Because they can't, if, you get, if they get stopped on the highway, they can't be like, yeah, I'm going to go out there and put this skimmer on this fucking ATM. And you know what I'm saying? So they have to have some preparation where they have this made up story that they're going to tell you or some other nonsense. So that preparation is probably similar. Concealment and other types of things might be a little different. But I think the preparation of preparing their mind, if they come in contact with law enforcement, would be very similar. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about high level drug trafficking organizations, um, I'd say their first, um, their first line of defense is trying to use someone that isn't uh, associated with the criminal world. So you'll have, literally, you're, you're, oh, John Smith, never been arrested, never been involved in any kind of law enforcement, uh, and clean record because they believe in their minds that if they get stopped, you know, law enforcement isn't going to think twice. Like, all right, nothing going on, keep it moving. Um, so you have that individual or you have the, in, an individual that doesn't know that they're essentially engaged in criminal behavior so that when they are asked um, about it, their truth isn't a lie, if that makes sense. Um, hey, what are you carrying in your vehicle? Nothing. And they're not giving those, those, those tells of a lie because in their minds, they're truly not aware that there's anything in their vehicle. Um, Let's expand on that. So what do you mean is the, um, they might have some type of business and an individual would be like, hey, I need this car or this cargo transported. And it, they believe it's legitimate cargo or car transported from one point to one point. And then the individual driving has no idea that there's actually dirty shit in the car. Absolutely. So that's a great example. So a car holders, I mean, they can make it seem like, hey, we're going to put this car on there. I don't want to put it on the bill of lading or on the inventory because I want it. I don't want to pay taxes on it. I don't want to, it's going to be cash. You're going to get $200 on it, whatever. Um, or it could be legit. Just bring this car over there. Um, no questions asked. And again, you stop that individual and you're asking questions and he's not giving you any tell at all because in his mind, he's doing everything on the up and up. No questions. I mean, no issues. So, you know, you run your dog and you find it. And then it's like, those cases are very hard uh, when it comes to prosecuting them through, you know, um, your local jurisdictions or the U.S. Attorney's Office, especially with people that don't know. But here you have uh, a seizure of drugs, significant amount, but who's going to get charged? I mean, you can maybe charge them off the rip, but when it goes to court, I mean, good luck getting a prosecutor or a U.S. Attorney to take that to trial. Um, and again, these, these organizations know that and they know it because they know, all right, this individual was charged, but the charges were dropped because of this. Oh, he didn't have any knowledge of it. or it couldn't prove without reasonable doubt that that individual was. So we're going to do that again. Um, and they all get it from discovery. What do you think about the way they operate there and the limited cooperation then at that point, even if, so say it is a car hauler. And 
however they're tracking it or however, whatever. They know that something's up with it. The cooperation by the driver of that car hauler would probably be limited too because he, he can't give you much other than this is maybe a phone number at best. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's, not gonna, it's probably not going to be real names or anything along those. So you might have a phone number where it's getting delivered to at, at most. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, what are you going to get from them? And, and you may get a phone number. And how, how much, you know, what can you do? What can you do with that phone number in that, that limited time where he's due to, to drop it off um, or, or pick it up? Maybe you can do a control delivery. You know, uh, very possible, but but even the guy that's picking it up is probably so far down the chain now at this point that it's not. He might tell you like, "Hey, Steve told me to come pick this car up." But then again, like it's they've they've, they've they've distanced themselves so much from all of it that it's really hard to work it up. Yeah, they're they're getting guys that hey, if I pay you twenty fifty bucks, five hundred bucks, there's people that aren't going to blink an eye. All right, let's go. And then next thing you know, they're getting run down by. Uh, by uh, Red Ninja and, and the Goon Squad, <laughs> um, and he has no he or she has no idea what going. Again, you have a significant seizure, but just very hard to prosecute. Talking about both type drugs, because usually the person, the person, or the people that are picking them up, don't have knowledge of, of it, or maybe have somewhat knowledge of it, but they don't know really. Who was involved with that makes sense. Right, yeah. No, yeah, they try to, I mean, yeah, I just think they're, they, they're, compartmentalization. 100%, is, yeah, they, they've, they've, the, the major players in this have distanced themselves so far from those types of things for that reason. Are they spending more money having these individuals, all these individuals in the, you know, in the chain of command and the pyramid of their structure? Sure, but in the long run, they're still protecting themselves and that's ultimately their goal to continue to operate the way they operate. Yeah, that's how these criminal organizations, they, they flourish and they succeed, and that's all based on compartmentalization. You look at even like terrorist organizations. You know how how are they so effective when this cell is operating? Compartmentalization. He doesn't know this cell or this cell. Um, so even if you lock one up, they don't know anything else. Um, so it's the same thing in, in these criminal organizations. Um, you know, people that are being used really don't know who's involved. Who is the player? But again, it's it's also it's also good to see it from from this side of the house to maybe give um, a different vantage point for addiction officers or just law enforcement in general on what to look for and how they operate. Let's talk about what level of undercover stuff you've done. Have you done street level stuff, and then all the way up to what level? I've done. I want to say I'm I'm very humble and grateful to have been, been given certain opportunities. I've had the opportunity to do street level, low level, all the way to, I guess, what we would call upper level. Um, you know, I've been able to do jobs across the country, um, international, and I've been able to see how organizations operate all the way from the top to all the way bottom level guy. Um, and it's certain things stay the same, but it's also very interesting the way that they operate. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about in order to make it where you're going to be, they go introduced or get introduced to a guy that is selling bulk from source internationally. How does that play out? It's, it's, it, and that's one of the things that I think stays consistent from the top all the way down to the bottom. Um, usually everything starts with uh, a vouch or an introduction. It's very difficult at no matter what level, whether if it's the street corner, I mean, I guess in some street corners, you could just walk up and buy. But if, if you start, you know, um, I'd say going from the street level to maybe lower level, mid-level, there's always some kind of introduction, which involves either another undercover or another cooperator or informant. But that works from that level all the way up to, you know, you're talking about cartels. Um, upper-level drug trafficking organizations, there's some kind of introduction. And the introduction is, hey, this is a buddy of mine. This is my guy I've been working with. You know, for this long, he's interested. He or she's interested in buying this. And then, at least in, in my level, I try to go one-on-one -on -one 
um, with that organization of the person that can make decisions. That's what I've always, that's my goal. I always try and get in front of the person that makes the decisions. I hate dealing with middlemen. Um, but also understand if you have a, um, a very well-versed organization, if they're doing it right, you're going to deal with the middleman. Like, why would that person want to talk directly to a buyer? So even um, like top level, say the top of the food chain, he's going to still have a representative that he trusts wholeheartedly that you, it would be very rare for you to get an introduction to the top dog, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very rare. And that's why these cases, um, you know, they're so difficult to truly get to that source of supply, if you want to call it that source of supply, like the actual head of the organization is very difficult because um, they're going to, they are going to have their representatives dealing, dealing with people, um, buyers, um, you know, maybe you'll have different organizations truly meeting with uh, the heads of organizations, if that makes sense. But if I, if I or another undercover are coming in as buyers, it's very difficult to get that true um, head of the organization meet. And maybe you do, um, but those are what we call like dry meets. Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. And that person gives the blessing. Okay, sounds good. You are going to deal with this person, John Smith. When there's anything criminal being done, gotcha. Um, you know, at the end of the day, money is key. You know, money is key, and that's why a lot of our jobs is, it's difficult to push forward because, um, you know, maybe you can get away with with buying half a kilo, a kilo, um, and then ordering up ten, fifteen kilos. When we start talking about the crazy amounts of of two hundred, three hundred kilos, you're gonna need some money. Yeah, I mean, it's in working for a government entity, it's hard to let that kind of money walk. Yeah, and if, if you're going to yeah. further that investigation. Yeah. Anyone that works narcotics, <laughs> if you listen to this, you know that they want you to take down El Chapo with $200 in your pocket and mm -hmm. say, you know, figure it out. Um, so that's, that's what makes these jobs, you know, very difficult because you're obviously trying to climb, climb the ladder, but we don't have an endless, you know, uh, pot of money right. um, to go after them. Let's talk about the concealment. So. Concealment saying coming from international, getting it into the, the U.S., what are they doing to be our Border Patrol? You have to remember, I mean, they, there are tens of thousands, thousands, thousands of vehicles and people that are crossing the border every single day. So a lot of the stuff is going to the borders. And, um, you know, it's, it's sad to say that um, because they are absolutely 100% prepared for for stuff to get picked off. And, Price of doing business? Oh, it's just, that's just what it is. Um, you know, and I've, I've had conversations with, with representatives, representatives of organizations where, you know, they're going to send, you know, uh, four orders or, or four routes, um, four shipments and, or maybe 10 shipments and they're expecting one or two to be taken off, but eight are going to get through. And that is their mentality. Um, cause the truth is there, when it comes to border patrol, there isn't, you know, 10,000 cops. No, they're completely overwhelmed and I'm not talking bad about them. I mean, no, it is, it's, just, no. it's, it's, it's the beast they that can. they're in. Yeah. Yeah. They do, do they a great get, job. Do they get seizures at the border? Absolutely. 100%. You know, and are they significant seizures, great seizures? 100%. But for every good one that they get, there's 50 other ones that have gone to yeah, the border. Yeah, I get it. I mean, so a, a lot of the stuff is going to the border. Um, a lot of stuff that I've dealt with myself has gone, gone to the border. Um, you know, other stuff, you know, you're talking about uh, shipping containers, stuff like that. Like on uh, cargo ship? Shipping? Cargo ships. Okay. You know, you know, I mean, the ports, if there's a port in your jurisdiction, I mean, there's, I, I'm very certain, 99% positive that there's something going, whether if it's stolen cars, whether if it's drugs, uh, you know, catalytic converters, those ports are, are a hub for, um, you know, criminal enterprises. But, um, you know, when you talk about drugs, I mean, they are, they're going to the borders, they're getting, they'll, they'll put it in a, in a stash location to see if it's cooled down before they end up sending it to wherever these are. That's what I was going to ask. So once it gets here, there's no sense of urgency, basically. So, and how long is, so if, say I get a shipping container full of kilos and I get it into one of the ports and it sits on a yard. Once it's there, there's really no sense of urgency, right? 
And then how long is law enforcement, if we, even if we know, that's full. Like, how long are we going to wait for that to start moving, honestly? So if they would let it sit there for a week, it'd be very hard for law enforcement to sit on it for a week straight. Or, I, you know, I, I think anything beyond a couple of days, honestly. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, they have, the organizations have that cool down period where um, if there's drugs being sent over the border, or as you said, in a shipping container, they're going to go somewhere and they're going to they're gonna sit. Obviously, they're going to be touched. Somehow, somewhere they're going to be touched to put it at that cool-down location, stash location, stash yard, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, they, they definitely go through that um, cool-down period to make sure no one's looking at it. Um, and, again, we talk about technology. Before, it used to just sit somewhere and, and that was it. And you would hope that whenever the person goes to pick it up, um, it hasn't been moved, it hasn't been touched. Now, I mean, you know, we could talk this out because it's talked uh, amongst uh, criminal organizations, but what can we put in these containers? Every, yeah. yeah, GPS. GPS, cameras, tags, yeah, everything. You, know, you name it, they, they can essentially put it in these uh, shipments to make sure it hasn't been moved. Um, I think the scariest thing for law enforcement are these air tags. You know, it can... You can truly put them anywhere. Um, and that's how they, that's how they can, in their minds, they're trying to see if they're dealing with uh, law enforcement, whether it's an undercover or an informant in these large, you can't do it really with, you know, an ounce, a quarter ounce, but when you're talking about five, 10 kilos where you can put an air tag, you just got done doing this transaction and you're seeing, does this, does this end up going back to a police department? You know, does this end up going back to, uh, uh, um, you know, wherever, wherever law enforcement essentially uh, yeah, that uh, operates. But I didn't even think of that. Are, That's pretty scary, actually, to think about, especially if you're working undercover and you buy and they put it, like, within the kilo. Like, I mean, yeah. like, you, you might, like, open it up to maybe field test it or check the stamp or something along those lines, but you're not necessarily going to yeah, break it all. I, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see them putting it in a... Uh, you know, inside of the, the, the kilo, because, you know, one of the things that even I look for uh, in a kilo is to see, uh, has it been opened, cut open for whatever reason? You know, you're hoping that what you're getting is, is what crossed over the border. Obviously, it's very possible for it to be cut open, repressed, rewrapped, and, and sent on its way. But I think when you start dealing in bulk, where, whether if it's uh, a suitcase of kilos, whether if it's uh, a, a book bag, um, that's where I get nervous, where you could easily, you know, take out one of the threads, slip, slip, uh, an air tag. And that's the way that they think. Um, the same thing with bulk cash smuggling, you know, that's another avenue of, of insurance to make sure like, Hey, who I'm giving it to is, uh, a money launderer and it's not law enforcement. Well, or did it get picked off and someone's trying to, uh, you know, do a controlled delivery. Again, understand, like, they know these things. These organizations know this because discovery, while it's the best thing, uh, because it's due process and it's, and it's part of our judicial system, but it's also the worst thing for law enforcement because it gives our playbook. Yeah, every single time. Um, so these, their reports, they know what control delivery is. They, mm-hmm. they know, uh, you know, the, the forfeiture proceedings and, and what needs to be done. Um, you know, it sucks, but it's, it's uh, a necessary evil. Yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. We just have to... I don't know, keep coming up with innovative ways to, you know, yeah. to, to make, make our game work better than theirs. Hey, everybody. I'm Heather Gologlich, instructor here for Street Cop Training for the course, The Complete Female Cop. This class is not just for females. It's not just about gender-specific issues. It was really formed in order to allow people to find that passion again for policing, to understand that their self-identity doesn't need to be changed just because they want to fit the mold, and to really help bring about change change in the profession, not just for women, but for everybody to be heart-led servant leaders. If you're interested in taking the course, you can visit streetcop.com and search Heather Gologolich and you'll be able to find it. I'm also really excited to announce that I have a new course coming out. It's going to be called Be the Change. Some of the great feedback I got from this year's conference in Nashville was that 
the men in this profession didn't feel like they wanted to take a spot away from the women that they work with for my first course that I teach. And so I was really able to sit down and put it together a course about culture change and building effective teams and learning about a growth mindset versus stagnation mindset pushing forward and just being the best cop that you can be both personally and professionally. So really excited for that to be coming out soon. Keep an eye out for it. Thank you all so much. Stay safe and be the change. So now we're at the port. Everything's broken down. Transportation from there to, say, another major city. Yeah, so what I, what I have seen and what I've witnessed is you'll have, let's say uh, I'm a buyer and, and I want, you know, five kilos of coke. Um, Maybe the organization isn't going to send from the borders five kilos of coke. They'll send 25 kilos. And I'm telling them I'm going to need five every two weeks. Something like that, right? So uh, what they'll do is, um, again, this is just in a scenario. What they'll do is they may send a representative courier, a low-level person, to let's just say the city of Chicago. I'm going to send my guy there, the person that I track. They're going to get an apartment, small apartment, and their job solely is to just guard the work product. And then, you know, you talk about uh, from the ports, 20 kilos comes in, 50 kilos comes in, um, you know, whatever your number is, and it goes up to, again, we'll say the city of Chicago. You'll have that person that's transporting it, and that is their sole purpose, their job. And then you'll have that person deliver it to whoever is going to be essentially um, watching the stash. And that's their sole job. So a lot of preparation does go into how they are going to get it to point A all the way to point B. Um, so the person that sits, that say they, you need five, they're bringing up 25. They will sit on that for you until you need another five? Or will they have five different couriers coming up to pick it up to get it to whoever that buyer is? Okay, so what I've seen is you'll have that, that one courier that'll sit in that apartment, and maybe they have more than one buyer in Chicago, right? That line will have, uh, you know, five different buyers, each getting two, each getting five. But they'll hold those 25, those 50, um, and then that person that's in that stash isn't the same person that is meeting with the buyers. It's not, right? It's not. Yeah, so you have, yeah, so you have this guy, that, and then he only deals with, say, the five that are coming to pick up either the five or the two kilos to give to whoever the buyer is. hundred percent. So usually, uh, you know, I've seen it where there are, there's that one person that's sitting in the stash and maybe two different couriers that are meeting with the, the buyers. Um, maybe that, that courier that's meeting with the buyers never actually goes into the actual stash location. Maybe it's the way it's worked out is, Hey, when you need one or two, you call me and I'll bring it down. And, and now you picture, um, you know, a huge apartment complex, you know, you're talking about 250 apartments in there. And even the guy that is meeting the buyers that has the potential of being uh, picked off can't lie. I mean, he, he could try oh. lie, but he's going to tell you the truth. I've never been to the stash location. And that's part of their thought. That's part of their process. I've met this guy. His name is Gordo. And Gordo's the one that gives it to me here at the corner of Main and Broad. And the stash location just happens to be somewhere on that block. Um, you know, that's, in that aspect, that's exactly how it is. But And there's a lot of direction coming from, say, we're dealing with a Mexican cartel. Is that, is that coming from Mexico? So, say, stash guy in Chicago sitting on 25 kilos. Hey, this dude is coming to get this many at this time. So now if I'm the cop and I stop him with two, I'm like, hey, let's go get more. Unless he gets directed from the guy in Mexico to go get two more from that dude, he can't just like walk up there and try to snag two more, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like the guy that's, that is, uh, sitting at that stash, even if that courier who he sees every single day and they break bread every single day and he says, Hey, I'm coming to pick up two more. If his orders haven't come from that guy, whoever that guy is, which more than likely isn't going to be, um, isn't going to be touching anything or isn't going to be seeing buyers. Um, if his orders haven't come from it, he's not going to do it because of, of reasons yeah, like yeah, that. Absolutely. Um, now, when it comes to finances, are you seeing like the guy that's taking the, the, that, say, the two kilos, is he also picking up money and taking it somewhere else or is it going to be completely independent? So what I've seen, I, I've, I've seen both. Okay. I think the, the um, 
I'd say the 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 most common, if you will, is uh, drugs and then the money. Um, because any any bright-minded person is going to give up uh, the money first. However, what I have seen, uh, you want to talk about trends, is um, us, you know, us in law enforcement, we never want to give up the money without drugs, right? That's, that's just one of the things that I say. So, uh, you know, you have these organizations that are asking up front, hey, give us 20000 25000 and then we'll, you know, We'll bring it. We'll bring it to you. Excuse me. And the reason they do that is because they're trying different ways to snuff out law enforcement, and that's that's one of their ways. But again, it's not just a law enforcement thing. Even a right-minded individual dealer or buyer that's trying to buy drugs is going to be very reluctant to give up twenty-five thousand, fifty thousand—a significant amount of money—without right. any anything in hand. So the way that I've seen it usually is, you know, drugs first, followed by the money. Um, Same but, carriers then? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, again, it's very different. You'll have same carriers. You'll have a certain person. I've seen it where a certain person is the person that deals with money. You'll have one person dealing with the drugs. He knows n- absolutely nothing about the money side. And then, hey, it's time to drop off the money. This is who you're going to see. Again, compartmentalization at its, at its finest. Um, That's to say, with me working in addiction, often we see the money side where those guys have limited to no criminal history, especially when you start to talk up in, in, you know, the hundred thousands plus, like if they're working for an organization, typically they, they've never been arrested. And I think that's part of the way to protect it. Cause as a cop, you look at it and he's trying to justify the money. And the first thing we do is look at a criminal history. And if there's nothing there to correlate it, and there's many other ways that we can relate it. But at the time you're looking face value. Um, and, and it's often hard for us to tie it together almost immediately, but there's other avenues post-stop that we can make it related to some criminal enterprises, but initially, just on face value, it's hard, especially if that guy's never been popped with anything in his life. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I mean these guys will end up getting, you know, maybe something in FinCEN or SAR or whatever it is, but, uh, um, you know, that aspect of, of the criminal world is actually a hot commodity. Everybody wants to be the person dealing with the money because, again, this, and I go back to Discovery, you know, Red Ninja seizes one hundred fifty thousand, and that individual, you know, may get locked up, may not get locked up. All he gets is a form saying your stuff has been seized, and uh, if you want it back, come and see me and show us how you got it. And you never hear from them again. Um, so that that right there is a hot commodity. But again, they try and separate the drugs and the money just because one is dangerous. Um, but two, same thing. Um, they'd rather lose one or the other, not both. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And then when you're seeing money, say, all right, so now we're back. Drugs got dropped off in Detroit. Money goes back to Chicago. From Chicago, is it going to another stash house? Like, hey, now drop the money off here. And is someone sitting on that? Have you Or how does that work? So I've seen it uh, both ways. Sometimes they want it, you know, right back to... The, the source country, um, you know, I've witnessed a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese money launderers, bulk cash smuggling, the mirrors, where, hey, you're going to, you're going to give it to this guy, you know, Monday at five o'clock. And when you give it to him and they count it, I'm going to receive my money in Mexico by, you know, they call it a mirror. Um, I, is that, what, that. What's a mirror? I'm, I'm, if you can. Mirror is, is essentially where, um, again, if I, if I am. I'm the head of the organization and I'm in Mexico and I want my hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And my hundred thousand dollars is in, um, Chicago, right? So you would being the, the person that's holding the hundred thousand would give it to person a person a once they can confirm that they have hundred thousand dollars confirmed that person B is in Mexico, and they then give that source of supply $100,000, whether if it's in $100,000 or $100,000 in Mexican pesos, whatever, whatever it is. I got you. But it's essentially a mirror. If I give you money up here, you're going to have somebody give it to me down here. Gotcha, gotcha. And you can do it instantaneous um, rather than, you know, wires. That's or what, yeah, like that's, that. That, I didn't know what a mirror was. That's all right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've seen a lot of that. Uh, bulk cash smuggling where... 
it's it's being uh, handed in in Chicago, and it's just going to make its way back down to the border. There's also that. Um, now, is that going to be very similar to the way that they get narcotics up? Yeah. Like, just different. Same thing. Couriers, compartmentalization, you know, hey, bring this down there, or just bring this car, you know, to uh, uh, to the border, and it's going to be for my grandfather, whatever it is, and they don't know that inside the panels there's, you know, money stuffed in there. Um, you know, I've seen it where uh, it makes it down to the border and they'll pay someone in Mexico that, has, that goes back and forth um, for work, right? So you have people that, that work, let's just say uh, San Diego, for example. People live in Mexico and they go to work every day in San Diego and they cross every single day. And isn't there like a speed pass or something like that? Basically, yeah, where it's so like that you don't have to wait hours and hours. If exactly. you, have to, you have to like be vetted and all these things. So what they do is they have organizations that that they do their own surveillance, right? They see that all right, this person goes to work every single day, Monday through Friday. They cross at this time. This is where they live in Mexico, right? And they go to work and they work at one two three Main Street in San Diego. They park their car here. So what they'll do is all right. I have these drugs. They'll, they'll do it both ways. I'll have these drugs, and they can drill into their trunk, right? Stuff the drugs in there. They leave for work. They have absolutely no idea what's in their trunk or underneath their car, if you will. They go to work. They park, and then there's someone on the other side that's going to take that stuff out. Crazy. Vice versa. I have this money that needs to get into Mexico. This person goes to work. This is where they park. I'm going to put my money in there, and they're going to cross the border. And they get stopped, and they're truly saying, you know, agent, officer, you know, uh, um, special agent. I, I don't, I've never seen this before in my life. You know, and we've always heard that, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, all right, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. And you're like, I swear to God, I swear to God. There are instances where they have absolutely no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um, but, it, but again, there's a lot of preparation. Um, you know, even, even with the people that, do transport, um, and they know that they're transporting. They go through, uh, you know, rehearsals, and you know they may do the run first to see what it's like, or they may send someone first. Um, I've seen that, but um, I could tell you that you and addiction guys are are scary, man. I, I've I've been in I've been in uh, uh, situations where I've passed an addiction guys with stuff in the car, um, you know, on a job with someone. Um, you know, next to me, and it's crazy. It's like a natural reaction. And you're, I'm, I'm a fuck. I'm law enforcement. <laughs> I'm sitting here shitting, my, shitting myself. Is there any? So when you say this happens, is there any preparation with you and the person that's in your car, like prior to that, or are you just basically praying that you don't get stopped? No, it's it's funny. It's like again, this is in my experience. You know, when I've done it, um, either pick it up or drop it off with with uh, a subject. Um, and we're going together and, and we're, it's, it's not talked about like, Hey, if we get stopped and what's funny is like, I, I, I know this, like I want to have a story, right? Yeah. Because it's one of the tells and, and one of the indicators, um, you know, separating someone and, and different stories. But when, when, when I flip the switch and I'm in that role, like it's, it's so funny because I don't even think about it. Um, and then I'm sitting here getting my story with, with the subject when we go pick up or when we have to drop off, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, to answer your question, no, it's like, all right, we're going to go pick it up. You're going to stay in the car or I'm going to stay in the car. The money's going to be here. We can go pick it up. And then, you know, we're going to come right back here. But it's not. Like, there's no conversation about law enforcement. There's no conversation like, hey, if we run into law enforcement. <laughs> have you ever been stopped? I have not been stopped. I have not been stopped. But. I can't wait for the day you come by me. Oh, he's not going. <laughs> I, I have not been stopped. But. I have experienced that. Like adrenaline dump? As that, you, yeah, yeah that, that adrenaline rush. I, I'm telling you, it's like everything you guys teach, it, it happens. It happens. You know, you, you prop up. Next thing you know, your posture is like <laughs> perfect, 10 and 2, and you hit the brakes. It just, you can't help it. You can't help it. And, uh, and obviously with me being law enforcement, um, the natural reaction is you see that, that police car and you know you're doing something wrong. And you hit the brakes. There goes the front of the hood that dipped down. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I need to get over. I'm going to go from the left lane over to the right lane. Um, you know, I, I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. Now, was, now I'm wearing it. <laughs> um, but 
I could tell you that having been in the car with someone, it's like you're trying to come up with a story like right there and then. Maybe enough to answer a couple questions, but I could tell you, having been in that situation, if I'm stopped um, and you guys are, are, you know, going through the motions and, and truly asking questions, I'm telling you, you keep pulling back the layers and it's going to happen. It's going to happen because I put myself in that situation thinking it out. If I was stopped by the Red Ninja <laughs> and after a couple questions, like, well, where do you? Well, where's he from, and, and where'd you guys go, or where'd you guys eat yesterday? There's no way. There's no <laughs> way we would be able to answer that question. Just it wouldn't happen. What is your favorite part about the position that you've ever had, or the position that you're currently in? Which one? You like the high level stuff you're doing now, or did you like the lower level stuff? Um, I'd say the the, the higher level only because it's it's truly. It's truly like doing a professional business um, where, you know, the lower level stuff, you know, you're your own straight corner. And, and it's just, uh, I prefer the high level. Um, and if, if it makes sense, like, I feel like you do more damage to the organization. Um, Is it more of a mental game at that level too, I would think? A hundred percent. That's cool. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, you know, you're trying to get to the top. Um, you know, all UC work that I've done, I, I, I love. Um, but I think, you know, the, the most significant damage that you can do is the higher that you go up. So I try, I try and do, um, you know, the biggest jobs that I can because I know that once it's taken down and people are getting indicted and arrested, complaints are being served, that's where you're truly hitting the organization. Um, sometimes, you know, at the lower level, you know, you can do it, um, whether if it's buying a... Uh, a gun from a guy and he's trigger locked and, and, uh, you know, he's got two strikes on him, one more and he's, and he's going to wave. So there's definitely jobs out there, but when I think about organizations, um, not just a single person, I think, um, the higher, the higher level you see jobs, um, there's nothing better. No, that absolutely makes sense. Have you ever done anything besides undercover narc work? Have you like, I don't know, undercover prostitution Undercover gun buys, undercover. Well, when you say prostitution <laughs> things, like you are you selling yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I won't answer that question. No, um, I've 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 had the opportunity to do a whole bunch of them. You know, human trafficking, working for hires, um, you know, white collar, um, you know, auto theft. Uh, uh, human trafficking, you said. Human trafficking, yeah. How yeah. that so, impact you personally? Um, again, it's, it's about what, you know, I truly feel like we're doing damage to these organizations. So human trafficking, I mean, you're really, um, there are true victims. Um, you know, I, I love Tom Stack's class, um, because it, it's, it's needed. And I think that's needed. No offense to what we do. I think that's needed. Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, you, you talk about. Um, you know, homicide task forces where, where you're trying to get, uh, you're really trying to get an impact to the victims' lives or the victim families, for people that are killed. But that kind of relates to human trafficking. I mean, there are, there are women and children, I mean, women, children, men that are, are being taken advantage of and, and being either sold or, or trafficked or, you know, forced to do things that, that no human should do. Um, so to have any impact in that uh, criminal world, I mean, in my mind, there's, there's nothing, nothing better. Um, when you truly get either relief from a victim and something like that, or you lock someone up that was involved in that kind of crime to include like uh, child porn, like internet crimes against children. If you work ICAC, if you are an undercover that does that, I mean, those are angels you know, on this world yeah no doubt and if you don't know what they do i mean they literally you know they sit at a computer and they try and hunt these child predators all day every day seeing the most disgusting things that you can think of um so imagine doing that eight 12 hours a day for god knows how many years you gotta mess with you Matthew. like i i don't know I, I can understand a lot of people that get involved in the criminal world things i can't understand is people that hurt kids women like it just fucking bothers me. like it, yeah. it like like it is it gets me um 
like elevated right now, like my blood pressure is raising. How did that affect personally seeing it firsthand? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been involved in a, in a couple of those of a couple of those cases, and you know, it's like you don't see how 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 much sickness is out there, um, and that's what it is. It's it's a, it's sickness. It's disgusting. Um, I mean, even bail reform, you know, bail reform, you have these people that are being arrested with absolutely disgusting things and they're out the next day. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't get um, it. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. But what's, what's funny is that, you know, I don't know funny is the, is the right word, but if you ask, in my opinion, you ask general society, like, Hey, if this guy gets caught touching a, a kid or if this guy or girl gets caught, um, you know, with, with distributing these child, you know, pornography, what should happen to them? I mean, in my opinion, you're going to hear people say like, they should be in jail for the rest of their lives. Right. Exactly. Bring back capital punishment, you know, all these, all these things. And unfortunately, um, you know, we live in a society of due process. So, you know, there's no, you know, no record, you know, never been arrested. Uh, you know, he's out the, he or she's out the next day. So that's the hard part of, of the job that we do. Um, you know, drugs are going to be there. Drugs are fun. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. if we're having an impact, especially you get these fucking fentanyl pills and these opioids off the street. Yes, we're having an impact. <laughs> but I think that... But drugs were here yeah. way before us. Yeah. We're going to be retired, you and I. Yeah, we're going to be smoking a cigar, yeah. uh, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years from now on, uh, you know, on the beach. And drugs are still going to be pouring in. Yep. It, um, but it's these, these human trafficking, the ICAC jobs where... A job today can affect uh, the life of even if it's just one child or or, yeah, or, or one or one or one lady. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he, it, it has it, a, a lifetime. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent, exactly. You know, um, but yeah, man, this is some deep stuff. Sorry, man, I, that, that, it just bothers me, and I know we've had that conversation before. And uh, yeah, I mean, but, more power to you for doing that shit. Like that, but it's it's it goes to it, it goes without saying. Like this is why it's it's proactive policing, and it's 100%. not it's not narcotic policing it's not exactly. you know um everything that i say is like in my class you get a peek behind the criminal world not the narcotic world right exactly um, because it's not just you know narcotics it's again auto theft it's it's uh um you know anything with debit cards trafficking guns trafficking, and yeah. guns i mean everything that's how you truly impact not yeah not to like I'm not trying to toot my horn or anything like that, but there's been three people, at least, that I know of, that have stopped kids that were being trafficked. And uh, as many classes and many people have found great seizures and stuff, those, I will never forget those three. Like, even if there's a fourth tomorrow, those will always set with me. Not that the other things aren't great work, but I can only imagine if that cop didn't take his time to come and sit in my class and see the behaviors where the hell would those kids be at this point in their lives so i mean uh man it, it i mean i talk about it in my class i get goosebumps then still every single time getting goosebumps now and and at the foundation of police work if we're stopping these fucking weirdos that are hurting kids and women i think that's that's ultimately the bottom line um finding dope gun money that's all cool shit but if you impact one person's life by saving them from a, a horrible fucking situation, it makes all of this worth it. hundred percent. And I think that's, that's what makes us, you know, hungry to, to get out there. I mean, everybody has their, their thing, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to interdict those highways and not just get drugs, but as you said, truly try and impact the world, um, in all aspects, not just in narcotics. Um, and I'm the same way, you know, I, I, I assist law enforcement in a different in a different way, and my job is to essentially um, become a chameleon and operate behind the curtain of of the criminal world, see how they operate, and then bring that back to all of you guys to show you guys, like, look, this is how they this is how they act, this is what they think, this is their mentality, um, and that's why in my class, I, I a lot of it, if not most of it, just like all all of you guys, is videos. Um, I'm not just gonna. I'm not just telling you, I'm showing you like this is the way that they do it. Um, and we talk about the transaction 
any transaction, um, it takes seconds. Seconds is a quick, um, but you got to know what to look for. Um, and I, I can't speak, you know, enough about the company. When you look at everything that's offered, you get a little bit of, of everything. You know, and I think when people look at your class, what they see is they see like, oh, I have to be an undercover or in order to take it. And I've sat through your class a couple of times and there's absolutely no, no reason if you're in law enforcement, 100%, you should, just, the class is going to be beneficial because exactly what he's talking about. You see the inner working of a criminal mind with your class and understand how they are beating you. So even a patrol guy could be like, oh shit, I, this, he just showed me this. This is what's taking place. I see this now. Like I, I. It gives you a different perspective in just your general patrol assignment and, and to be more effective. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the key word right there, perspective. Um, when I first started putting this, this uh, class together, this course together, um, because it was a lot of my undercover stuff, I was going to call it the undercover. But when I started thinking, like, what is it that, that general law enforcement can get out of it, um, that's when it kind of clicked. Like, it's not necessarily an undercover class. I want them to be able to see how they operate. Um, you know, the reasons why they'll pick uh, a CVS, a Home Depot, uh, a Walgreens, a public stir storage, dirty. <laughs> um, you know, the mentality behind it. So you don't just see the actions. You actually hear, um, you know, in the class, you hear the workings, how they think, um, the conversations that are had with them. And I think you, you take that, a good eight hours of it, and you leave there and you kind of have that, that um, more understanding of the criminal mind. I've always said it. I think, I think the best mind in law enforcement is a blend of the criminal mind and that interdiction slash investigator uh, mindset or proactive mindset. You blend those two and it's like you become a deadly weapon, um, that tip of the spear uh, for law enforcement because now it's like, all right, well, if I'm going to do a deal, today's raining, I'd probably do it right here at the CVS. And when you start thinking like that, that's how you, you end up getting better stops. Yeah, I think that some of the best cops come from um, a worldly view with different perspectives, honestly. So, I mean, I'm not saying people that were hoodlums as a, as a juvenile become good cops. But I'm saying if you, if you lived kind of in that gray area, maybe as a kid, like where you're kind of like, I'm a good kid, but I do stupid shit sometimes. And you understand like how I was able to maybe get away with some shit with my teachers or something along those lines, I feel like you would transition to be a pretty damn good cop because then you also have that mindset already of how the criminals and what they're going to do to beat you as a cop. 100%. 100%. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you joining me. It's been a, a good podcast. Uh, I, I love this. So we'll have to do it again, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You see the word? I'm in. All right, man. All right, my boy. You be safe, bro. You too. Guys, if you're in an area where you're trying to get to our classes, but we're not close to you, fret not. We actually have on-demand training at streetcop.com. You can take that course online right now, and then you could attend that training in the future at no additional cost. You can redeem your voucher, so you get two for the price of one. We don't want to deny you the ability to take this training now, especially knowing that it can keep you safe at a very minimum, putting bad guys in jail where they belong, and at the maximum, going home to your family. Check out streetcop.com for that offer.